Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Kieran Linehan, and I got to tell you, Kieran has the answer for if you are running your business and you feel like you just don't have any time or space for managing your life. And I'm not talking about like the organization piece of life. I'm talking about how do you have that extra bit after you've given everything you have, how do you have that extra bit to dedicate to your family, maybe even to your faith? really just your own personal life. You know, as entrepreneurs, we're giving so much daily. How do we actually carve out the systems and strategies beyond just the business world, but to having enough and an abundance to give to those important areas of our life? Kieran is so gifted and talented and has mastered these areas. He's also the author of a new book called Daddy Loves You. It's available on Amazon. You can check it out. But today's episode is special because I think it is so nourishing for all of us who really were giving so much day in and day out. I won't spoil any more of the episode. Check it out. Here comes your good advice. Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Coming to you at another PodMax event. This is the best PodMax event, or excuse me, the podcasting event that you got to go to. You got to check out more at PodMax.co. Today, I am sitting down with one of the most incredible guests, Kieran Linehan. He runs Kieran, he runs, excuse me, Linehan Coaching. Uh, he is somebody who, you know, when you think about running a business, typically, especially those of us who've actually run a business before, maybe we've jumped into it for the first time, we all know how stressful it becomes, how anxious you can be thinking about when's that next customer coming, when's my business actually going to grow in the way that I really want it to. And frankly, just running a business, oh my gosh, it's like one of the most insane, crazy experiences anyone can do. Kieran is here today to talk about how you can actually reduce the stress, reduce the anxiety, and live a happier, fuller life. Now, Kieran is a Christian. You know that I'm a Christian as well. I've talked about my faith on the show before. He's going to be offering a new perspective. We haven't typically had someone on who's talked explicitly about their faith, but he's going to be talking about how even Christian entrepreneurs specifically can grow in their business and have a happier, fuller life. Kieran, man, I am so excited to have you on the show today. Blake, thanks so much for having me, man. And I have to say, your podcasting voice is among the top voices that I've ever heard. So I have to compliment you on that. You know, it's funny. I've had people like randomly who've told me comments like that. And uh, I, in fact, one of the first times I got that comment, I had put out like my first or second episode and my neighbor listened to it. And she was like, wow, I thought you would be terrible, but you know, you sound okay. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what's up with that first part of that sentence? Back, yeah. Backhand a compliment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, tell me first of all, whereabouts are you calling in from? Yeah. So I'm coming in from central New Jersey, beautiful garden state. Okay. Okay, cool. Now, do you ever make it over to uh, New York? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I make it in. I 
Uh, we're about 45 minutes outside of New York, so I'm able to take the train in or drive in, especially these days, not much traffic heading into New York City. <laughs> it feels like there's a weird relationship between New York and New Jersey. I have a friend from New York who always bashes New Jersey. It's mostly, it mostly uh, comes that way. New Yorkers okay. like to bash New Jersey. <laughs> we're pretty, like, we're fine with them. Like, we appreciate the good things about New York, but we would never want to live there. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it, it kind of works out. And I have to say this. For anybody, I never actually watched the show, but for people who watched Jersey Shore, they were all from New York. So I'm just going to put that out there. Um, it's an important detail, is yeah. A, is, yeah, it is. <laughs> New Jersey is a beautiful state. We're not saying anything about the gene pool in New York, but just throwing out that detail. Uh, my uh, brother-in-law just moved to New York. Um, I have visited New Jersey one time, and I had a pretty good experience, really good food. Um, now, weather up there, pretty chilly, pretty cold. Pretty chilly. We get the four seasons. Uh, right now, it's kind of gloomy and cold, which tends to be our winters. But it's fun when we get snow and summertime, springtime is beautiful here for sure. Cool. Well, it's great to talk to you today. And man, how about this PodMax event? I mean, I think it's one of the funnest things that I get to do every couple of months. I know you've said this is your second one to come through. It's my second one to come through as a guest. Uh, my brother-in-law is actually the one behind the scenes kind of running everything, Jacob. And uh, so that's how I got introduced to Eric and Josh. And they're just incredible guys. They bring together a community of incredibly smart and, and giving people. Mm. And so it's just a lot of fun to be a part of anything that they put together. You know, I've gotten that impression too, is, is definitely people who are giving. And man, credits to Jacob. Uh, for you guys who are listening, this PodMax event happens every couple of, of months. And there's a lot that has to happen in terms of scheduling, in terms of pairing up podcast hosts with their guests. Um, the event in and of itself just has a lot of logistics with it. And I feel like Jacob's always calling me like right before the event is starting because I have a newborn, my wife runs a business, so I'm, I can never quite be there just at the start. And so I just feel bad because it feels like Jacob is having to, you know, you always have that person who's really running the show. Um, and it right. feels like Jacob's one of those people for sure. Yeah, he, he for sure is. Now, I I love that. We we have a, a two-month-old baby girl, and then we've got a 14-month-old uh, foster son, and they were supposed to not be here, but then schedule ended up changing so that at some point, they may make an appearance, hopefully faint, <laughs> faintly or not at all uh, in the yeah, background, yeah. but yeah. Sure, sure. But, now, now, so you, are, you have a 14-month-old. I have a 10-month-old. So you're basically like a dad expert. Um, <laughs> what, what's your best piece of advice for me? Yikes. Wow. Uh, been at this for about 13 months. We, we took our foster son home from the hospital when he was about three and a half weeks old. So by no means do I claim to be an expert. Um, I would say my, my main piece of advice would be do everything possible for your wife or your significant other uh, that you can to make their lives easier. Uh, because when you have a kid, it's very easy to get wrapped up in the kid and to lose sight of, of that relationship and of the marriage. And so for me, that's something that's, uh, that I'm keeping top of mind as, especially now that we have two, that, that even compounds more of the importance of that. So sure. just trying to keep that in perspective. Yeah. Now I, I don't want to get too off track, but I feel like having a kid really has shown me how selfish I am, like with my time, with how I want to spend my time. Uh, like I love dad mode. I mean, it is awesome, but especially yeah. like Thursdays and Fridays. So my wife runs a business, I run a business. And so the way we manage our schedules is I put, I, I try to front load most of my stuff at the front of the week and she puts it at the back of the week. Uh, and so Thursday, Friday, by the end of the day, I'm kind of like, I need my time. Like I need, I need me time. 
And it's kind of like, you know, when you people say when you get married, you learn how selfish you are because now you're like doing life with this partner. Right. And so I feel like with my wife, Joy, I got all the selfishness out. And then I had a kid and I was like, oh, no, I still have still there. Lind- yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's plenty oh, man. more there. Even the little things, like you said, you know, rolling around on the floor and playing, playing with the kids is great. But then sometimes all I want to do is is lay on the couch and he's like wanting to jump up and down <laughs> on the couch and, and lay around with me. And exactly. I'm just confronted by, yeah. you know, I would really love to take a nap right now and mm-hmm. would really love to not read this book for the hundredth time. But you want it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do it for you, bud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. uh, it's kind of the sweetness of life a little bit, you know. It is. It is. Let's talk about something else that's a little sweet. It's this entrepreneurial journey, and I. It, it's funny to me because, you know, it feels like so many entrepreneurs are they are they are desperately grasping for. Um, whether it's a silver lining, whether it's like that moment of uh, just peace to themselves, you know, some entrepreneurs who are even listening right now, maybe they're managing a second job, their actual nine to five job and their vision for their future. It's their, it's their side hustle that they want to actually grow into something meaningful. Mm-hmm. But regardless, it, it feels like, um, l- let me say this, first of all, it feels like there's two different looks on entrepreneurship that happen on social media. You have the people who portray entrepreneurship in this very sexy way. Oh, it's so easy. Uh, these are typically like marketers who say, "Oh, I just I just sent this email and I got fifty clients." I don't, and you can do it too if you just pay me. You know, it's like right, the, right. Josh Carey joked about like courses that you know create Teach. courses that you know all that whole thing. But so you have you have this um, perspective on entrepreneurship, but it feels like many of us, when we get into it, we get this other perspective, which is, wow, this is really hard. This is really slow. You know, I thought that I would have all these customers tomorrow, and now it's been almost a year of my business. Uh, And I feel like there's also this constant struggle of, am I the right person? Am I doing the right thing? Speaking in a Christian way, um, am I doing what God wants me to do? You know what? It, talk to me a little bit about sort of like the 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 fr- the friction of those two perspectives. Yeah, for sure. And and I can share some context as well, just so people kind of know where I'm coming from. So, I uh, did the whole classic blueprint that society taught me was the good thing to do: get good grades in school, respect your elders, uh, get a good job, and then you'll be set for life. Right. So, I found myself in corporate America after graduating college. Had a ton of student loans that, thank God, I. I didn't actually realize how bad it actually was until I started working, <laughs> paying them off. Yeah. Right. Um, so my wife and I, we, we got married shortly after college and just tried to attack those as quickly as possible. And so being in the corporate world, I mean, three, four years in, I was at a point where I was asking the question, like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Is, it, like, mm-hmm. is this all there is? And so that's where kind of the entrepreneurial dream, which had its uh, beginnings when I was a kid selling candy to my classmates and doing the whole like classic lemonade stand thing. Um, I realized now there is, there is another path. I just don't know what that looks like yet. And so I was in my nine to five and wrestled for a year with trying to do it part, trying to run my business part time, but giving all this time and energy to my nine to five, that was, that felt like it was draining me. Um, And so when I finally took that step into full-time entrepreneurship, there was the initial period. People always ask me, like, what was that first couple months like? And I think it was it was probably a combination of uh, ignorance is bliss uh, because everything felt amazing. My schedule was wide open. I owned my time. I, d- I did whatever I wanted. But then the reality set in of, okay, it's not as easy as the 
social media marketers make it look, you, you really have to be smart about the way that you go about things. You really have to understand what is the problem you're solving for people and where do you find them? And so for me, that tension of, I see all these people painting this picture of this dream, right? T- time freedom, build this business. And now you get to do whatever you want and spend all day with your family with, yes, the realities of this is not as easy as it looks. And uh, at the same time, I had to really fight through those doubts that you were talking about. Like, am I really cut out for this? Is this, is this really what I, what God wants me to be doing with my life? If so, why, why the heck does it feel so hard and feel like I'm, I'm working uphill. And so working through those things and, and kind of navigating the realities of the hardships, but also understanding what is possible. It's depending on the way that you choose to overcome those or not that's going to be the determining factor in whether or not you actually find whatever you consider success to be mm-hmm. in running a business. Now, what, what was your nine to five job? So I was an operations manager. So I was pretty much right after, right out of college. I was managing people twice my age, managing their performance an operation in both a warehouse distribution center and like sales and marketing operation, and then managing projects around process improvements. So how do we make the company more efficient do the same amount of work or more work with less people. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was my job. The part of my job that I loved the most had to do with people. Like I was always, yeah, ever since I can remember, I would always be observant of what makes people successful, what makes people want to follow others. Um, and so I studied psychology in school specifically related to organizations and leadership. And in my job, the portion of what I liked was only maybe 20% of what I did but I wanted to do that all the time, which is kind of how, right. how I found coaching, right? And that allows me to do not necessarily 100% of the time, but allows me a lot more to be able to be uh, developing people. So, so what was the moment like you, you, and I think we can all relate with that feeling of, oh man, like this sliver of my job is really what I love to do, man. It'd be great to not have to do everything else. Um, what, what was the moment that you were like, you know, I, I think I, I want to actually not just build on this in terms of like find more time to do it, but actually create a business around this piece. Yeah. That came a little bit later. The first kind of step that I took after I realized, Hey, this is the part of my work that I love. I just figured out how do I engineer my own job within the company I was working for to be more of that work. So all of the projects that I sought out, all the things outside of my expect, my expected responsibilities, I always made sure that they were geared towards people-related projects, people development, innovation, and just managing the the team of people that we had. And so that kind of that took me from maybe twenty percent to forty percent. And at that point, I hit the upper limit, and that's when I was like, okay, yeah, this still isn't enough. And that's when I started to think about. I didn't even go straight to entrepreneurship, even though I had in mind the idea of eventually running my own business one day. I started looking out into the the startup worlds, uh, just applied to tons of other jobs. And again, really didn't have a good sense of what I wanted it to look like, but knew that it, it, it wanted, I wanted it to be based around this idea of working with people in kind of one-on-one and small team settings and just helping them uh, unlock themselves, mm-hmm. uh, right? And to, to really realize, because I think we all have the sense of, right? We have these desires, we see ourselves, we can picture ourselves in the future doing things that we're not currently doing. And if, I mean, that's our potential, right? And so just helping people bridge that gap between where they are and where they want to be and where they know they can be, 
that's like, that's what gets me fired up and gets me up every day. What do you think? It feels like everyone can really think about that, that standing in the gap, so to speak of like, Oh, I know I'm not where I want to be. Uh, and, and not just for like, um, you know, and on a superficial way, it's like even things like, you know, getting in shape, like the person I envision in terms of like diet or sleep right. or exercise, but more importantly, like this sense of self-efficacy of like, like, who, who am I as a person? Am I becoming that person in terms of like the yeah. fullness of what I envision of what I offer to others, things like that? W- what is it in your mind that keeps people from moving into that person they envision? I love the way that you, the language that you just use. That's the language that I use a lot when I talk to people, even if they're not clients, just like people, friends trying to lose weight or friends trying to make changes in their life they don't think about it from that perspective that you said of who is it that I'm becoming. Everybody likes to stay in the kind of goal-oriented, outcome-driven changes that they want to make. So I want to lose 50 pounds. I want to quit smoking. I want to you know, hit this revenue target in my business, right? That's an outcome. That is uh, something that you get. Sometimes people will go a layer deeper, and this is where all almost all New Year's resolutions fit either it's goal oriented or they get into the process, right? Okay. In order to lose 30 pounds, I'm going to go to the gym three times a week, right? They get into a plan a little bit of how they're going to make it happen. But rarely, if ever, do I hear people getting down into that identity piece of who is the person I'm becoming Mm. and how do I live in alignment with that person, right? Because that's the quickest way to actually become the person that you envision for yourself is to always filter your decisions. Like, do I get up in the morning? Do I go to the gym today? You filter that decision through when I, when I see my future self, what is it that that person would do? And what is it that that person is thinking that allows them to do it? As much as you can live into that in the present, that's what's going to get you to be that vision that you have in your head. And so to summarize, I'd say that what people don't do is get into the identity piece and how they actually think about themselves. And so really what they're trying to do is behavior modification. They're trying, it's like trying to, to bend a metal bar without heating it up first right? It's going to break. It's not like we all know motivation ebbs and flows. It goes up and down. Some days we feel motivated, other days we don't. And so if you only rely on willpower to do something over, I mean, call it a year, people who want to lose weight and get in shape in a year, if you're only relying on willpower, you're going to have a really difficult time. You're going to get very frustrated when when you don't live up to your expectation. I think about the um, the conference high we can all relate to of like, you know, you go to the conference or you go to the event and you're like, you know, Woo, yeah. I could do this. And then after like a month, you know, nothing's really changed. Right. Um, something else I was thinking about too, you know, we're talking about identity and like really examining your identity. It, it feels like a lot of us lack the understanding, really the self-awareness of who we are and how that is feeding our actions and our decision-making. You know, it's like, um, uh, it's like when we talk about losing weight until you start to identify or understand your identity in terms of this is where I find comfort maybe, or this is my relationship with food. And this is why I seek overeating or what have you until that, until those thoughts start to get processed and, 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 and considered more in depth, I think that's why, you know, these, these, um, random goal initiatives don't seem to pan out because at your core, you haven't examined it's like, it's like the, it's like the entrepreneur. And I can relate with this cause I'm a, I'm a go-getter. I'm an, I feel like I'm an achiever or I try to be the times that I'm not achieving 
are the times that I feel lowest about myself in terms of motivation, in terms of energy, in terms of excitement. And I think that takes me examining, okay, wh- how am I trying to develop value about who I am and in, 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 in my perspective through the lens of money that I'm making or, you know, what have you. And until I actually have that conversation with myself, it feels like I'm set up for failure into the future. Yeah, absolutely. And again, another example that's kind of easy and relatable. Like if you picture two people who are smoking, they've been smoking for 10 years. One of them says, I'm trying to quit. I'm going to use nicotine patches. The other one says, I'm trying to quit or I'm going to quit. I'm using nicotine patches, but I no longer see myself as a smoker, right? Because sometimes when you do something for so long, it becomes glued to your sense of self and you can't, you can't see it as like detached. You see that as part of who you are. And again, speaking to this idea of you can build a beautiful house on a foundation that hasn't actually been fixed or it hasn't been uh, strengthened. And over time, that foundation is like, it's going to later on, the house is going to collapse or you're going to have issues with it. Like you have to address the things that are underneath the behaviors that you're, that you're taking. And that's where, you know, you're talking about self-awareness and being able to sit with yourself and have these conversations and ask these questions that's a really difficult thing for a lot of people. Not a lot of people have that, have cultivated that skill of self-awareness. And I think that's why the coaching industry is booming right now is because an outside perspective actually helps you, helps facilitate that process. Um, But as much as you can learn how to do that on your own, you're going to be much better off. Why is it so hard to be honest with ourselves? Like to have that honest perspective. I mean, and I'm, you know, I'm a coach myself. I, I have nothing I'm not trying to encourage people not to go to an outside perspective, Mm -hmm. but it does feel like it's, it's, and I see this sometimes with people that I talk to who they say, I think this is the problem. And they point to something external and, uh, sorry about, excuse me, God bless me. Jeez. (laughs) Uh, I, I, they, they point to something external, like, here's my problem. Like, here's a really easy example. The, The person that I hired was lazy, irresponsible, what have you. And then I flip it back and say, well, well, Actually, I think it was. I think maybe it was you. I think maybe you're just not a, a great boss, or in whatever terms I want to say that. Mm-hmm. And it feels like sometimes we're exposed to this glimpse of this is who I am really. Like this is how I'm. This is how I operate and how I tick internally. But it feels like very few of us really lean into that and sort of pull the veil off and like, oh, that's me. And for better or worse, you know, how do I now? revise or work on, or, you know, it feels like that conversation, we, we, we say it as self-awareness, but like the actual work of like getting into the root of who you are, working that out, fine tuning that, that, that feels like something that, that very few of us actually do. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I think honestly, when it boils down to it, it's because it's uncomfortable and it's painful. Like psychologically, it's, it's painful. Emotionally, it might be painful to actually see things for what they are. And, you know, there's, there's a, uh, a quote from, I think, Romans, I'm not going to get it exactly right, but Paul basically says, I do not understand what I do, the things that I want to do, I, uh, I don't do, and the things that I hate right. doing, I do. And it's kind of speaking to this idea that, like, we know what we want to do, like, we know that it would be a good thing to kind of bring our, our shortcomings into the light and see them for what they are, because that's what's ultimately what will help us improve ourselves. But that that in-between step is, is painful. And our brains in a lot of ways are wired to seek pleasure and avoid pain. So anything that's painful, it's just trying to avoid. And so if we, if we kind of let our, our brain go unmanaged and just run us, 
and run ourselves on autopilot, we're going to be avoiding a lot of the things that we actually need to, to take a look at. And so it takes a certain level of, of maturity to be willing to say, you know what? Yeah, this might be painful in the moment, but in the long run, it's going to be worth it. And so it's, it's, it's some delayed gratification. It's understanding that you'll be better off for it. And that's, I mean, from a, again, I'd say from a Christian perspective, that's truth, like, right. Acknowledging who we are and how we are, that's, that's the truth. And so if we were to seek the truth, like, yeah, it's going to be painful, but in the end that will lead to freedom. It'll lead to you feeling a weight lifted off your shoulders. It feels like the people who move, move forward towards, you know, whatever it is, you know, completing different goals, growing themselves, growing their business, what have you, it feels like they all have this appetite that they've nurtured and stewarded to be comfortable with that discomfort that you're talking about. Yeah. It's, it's a muscle, right? The more you do it, the more you, you just get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? That's the cliche kind of phrase that people like to use, but it's, it's true. Like I've seen it in my life, seen it in my clients' lives and in other people's it's man, it's, it's such a powerful thing. Cause the, the things that you're most afraid of, the things that you are most hesitant to do, like do those things. That is the doorway. That's the portal to growth at the fastest rate. In a lot of ways, we like to think that, you know, growth is a slow game over a long period of time. But I can think to very specific times in my life where I grew a lot in a short period of time, but it was because I was willing to confront something that I had been avoiding for a while, right? There's something on the other side that I really didn't want to look at, but when I chose to look at it, boom, like things started to open up, more possibilities started to open up. It's good stuff, man. I, I want to drill in a little bit more on your story. Um, what, what made you settle on Christian entrepreneurs? Yeah. So this is, this is a funny, kind of a funny story, uh, just related to my journey of, of faith and kind of my relationship with God. But ultimately it's not where I started out when I, when I first started the business, I was more kind of general, uh, in terms of who I worked with and long story short, when, uh, March or May kind of nine, 10 months after I'd started the business a couple of years ago, I had this sense of like, all right, some people I've worked with, I really enjoy working with some people, not as much like what is, what's the common denominator. I found two things from that one the pagans. Yeah. Right. Christian. I'm just joking. Relax. <laughs> Go ahead. One, it was people who maybe they weren't entre- entrepreneurs yet, but the way that they thought was more entrepreneurial. And I could, that's something I could very easily see the difference. And then people who did share that faith with me, because I felt like I just was able to fully bring myself to the table in a way that I've really wanted to. And it felt like, again, I felt like before that I was holding back maybe uh, 25% of who I was and I wasn't adding as much value as I could as a coach. And so I said, well, what, what, it, what would it look like if I would actually just let that fully out? And I had lots of doubts and lots of reasons uh, as to why I felt like that wasn't going to work. So I tried to avoid it. Uh, I, that's when I kind of shifted gears instead of, only diving into just working with Christians. I was like, all right, well, let me beyond just kind of business owners. Let me actually get more into the startup world. It's something I'd always been interested in. And so I did that. I worked with some people again, found some of the problems that they're dealing with. I'm just not super interested in like, I don't want to help them navigate investor relations and uh, have to be right. have to be answering to both investors, advisors, and, and employees. And like, ultimately that's just not what I, Love well, doing. well, if we can pause for a second, I, I think yeah. what's a, a cool insight here is your 
um, I, I'm trying to think of the right words for it. it your l- lack of appetite, not to now make it sound negative, but your just your your awareness on what interests you and what disinterests you, just to use your own terminology. Right. You know, it, it feels like a lot of times when we're thinking about when we're seeking fulfillment in work, a lot of times our perspective, and maybe we're just we're just taught this at a young age. It, it is the whole, okay, I enjoy only 20% and I hate 80%, but that's just life. That's just what I have to do. You on the flip side, though, you're giving this other perspective of, okay, I went out and did this and you know what? I don't like that. I'm not, I'm not enjoying that. So I'm just not going to do that. <laughs> I'm just not, I'm going to go, so I'm going to, I'm going to find something else that scratches that itch, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I think that in and of itself is a, is a pretty compelling insight for a lot of us because many of us, we sort of just, shut up or, and take it, I guess, for yeah. lack of a better phrasing, um, you know, to have that, that agility of, okay, I'm not going to do that. Okay. I'm not going to do that. I'm totally disinterested with that. I, and that, that in and of itself feels like a, a great concept for many of us who were looking for that fulfilling uh, work life. Yeah, for sure. And I'd say, especially for people who are early on in starting their businesses, right? Part of the reason why most people step into running their own business is that freedom to one, yes, freedom of time and deciding your own schedule, but also freedom of doing work that actually lights you up, that actually makes you come alive and be engaged and, and love it. And if you understand this idea that, yeah, you you can be the architect of your own work and design things such that the work that you do is more enjoyable for you. Like I was, my, my thinking on this was heavily influenced by a book called Designing Your Life, which was written by two Stanford professors, uh, one Christian, one atheist, incredible book. Um, and it talks about this idea of it's an iterative process. Like it isn't just, oh, I'm starting a business. This is the business I'm starting. Uh, this is the industry I'm going to be in. And that's it forever, right? It's, it's constantly learning and constantly understanding yourself at a deeper level. And so a lot of the questions that the book encourages people to pose are around what engages me, what lights me up, um, what, what gives me energy after I do something, after I work with this person, did I feel drained or did I feel even more energized somehow? Right. And so that's kind of what influenced my thinking. So I'd say for new business owners, when you first start out, like it's very rare that your first kind of idea of what your business will be is just the perfect idea. And you're just going to run with that forever. Mm -hmm. Right. You're going to learn through the process of doing and through actually being a business owner. Well, so you were, you were walking out this concept for your own life. You know, you were saying, ah, I don't want to care about that. Tell me what I interrupted your story. Tell me once you pivoted away from the startup world, what happened next? Yeah, that's so that's when I finally actually leaned into what I felt like God was saying to me. He, I, long story short, he was asking me, hey, I want you to work specifically with Christians. Uh, again, I had all of these doubts and, and uh, reasons why I was like, that doesn't make sense. Like, how, how would that work? How am I supposed to then also have an influence on people maybe who are, are seeking or who don't have a faith? And he showed me that's not necessarily, you don't have to you know, it just doesn't mean you're only going to interact with Christians for the rest of your life. I'm like, yeah, that, I get that. That makes <laughs> yeah. sense. Um, yeah. And so when I finally decided to lean into it, I started to actually market myself that way. I started to talk about business concepts through the lens of my faith. It started resonating with people who I actually wanted to work with. It, it made it evident. It made it easy for the ideal clients that I wanted to work with to actually identify themselves and be like, oh man, I want to work with that guy because there's something different about him than all the other you know, business coaches that are out there. And so when I finally started to lean into that, that's when I really found my groove, I'd say, in, in the business and really things started to feel 
just less, like there was less friction when I was trying to do things. I wasn't filtering myself uh, when I was marketing or, or doing interviews or talking to people. I was just able to really bring myself fully to the table. And so I guess even if you're not a Christian, the, the lesson there would, again, authenticity is kind of a buzzword that gets thrown around a lot. But there's so much truth in just being who you are because there is nobody else exactly like you. Nobody else has the exact experiences, perspectives that you have. And as much as you lean into that unique value proposition, the better off you are going to be as you kind of step into a marketplace of other business owners who are in your industry, right? You have to stand out. And so one one great way to do that is to really lean into your strengths and what makes you unique. You know, and I think it, it almost feels like for a lot of us that that uniqueness factor um, often gets overlooked because the things that are unique and compelling about us, for, for many of us, it, it, it just comes naturally to us. You know, it's part of your natural skill set. It's part of who you are. Um, it's never maybe felt that difficult. Uh, and so when other people are like, wow, you're really gifted in that, a lot of times we, not only do we um, maybe not take it at full value, but sometimes we even like, you know, discount it. We say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Anyone can do it. Right. You know, it, it, it almost feels like sometimes it's hard for us to really hone in on, man, this is, this really is a unique value proposition from me. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. I've actually had a couple of conversations around this topic recently, and I've realized it for myself, even in something as simple as like somebody compliments you on something. And the immediate reaction for most people is to deflect and say like, yeah. oh no, yeah, totally. Anybody could do this. There's nothing special about me. And especially I was talking to my wife, I think women, especially in our society have been conditioned to do this as well. It's like, even if somebody says, I love your scarf, you're like, oh yeah, I got it on sale. It was like $5 at Marshall's or something. Right. <laughs> and there's always this like need to just say, no, there's, there's something about me that like, I'm not that special. And it's that, that kind of mindset and that thinking you bet that's going to influence the way that you show up in your business. If you underneath, if you feel that about yourself, if you feel like, well, there isn't really something unique about me that I bring to the table, well, that's going to make it difficult to really show up at networking events or however you're marketing your business in a way that really connects with the people you want to serve, right? Mm -hmm. People can pick up on that. Communication is largely nonverbal. So if you have that kind of that vibe and that sense of yeah, there isn't really anything special about me. That's not what's going to draw people in. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I can already sort of envision you giving this piece of advice. I'm sure some of your own clients. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, some of the other conversations you have. You know, if you have someone uh, who is a coachee of yours, you know, what are these? And I, I ask this because it feels like there are so many coaches and everyone has sort of a different um, recipe or a different way about that they go, the way they go about their, their um, coaching. Mm -hmm. what, what does it look like in your career when you're coaching someone, especially like in a, in a you know, specifically, I know you're targeting Christian entrepreneurs. Uh, what does that look like? Yeah. So I'll give a peep. This is a common question when I talk to potential clients or, or just anybody who's curious about my business. And they ask me like, what's your formula or what's your curriculum? Like, I don't, I would not say I have a curriculum at all. Right. I meet people where they are. Some people are just starting their business. I have somebody who I'm working with, who's been a real estate agent for 25 years. Right. And we're working on growing her business. So it kind of, it spans the spectrum, but my philosophy or kind of my approach actually gets related to what we were talking about earlier when it comes to identity and that person who you're becoming. So we start off our work really by talking about two things. What's the vision for your business? Like six to 12 months down the road, what is that long-term idea that you're working towards? 
if everything were to go perfectly? And then underneath that, what is that version of yourself? Like describe to me who that person is that you are becoming. What are their habits? Like we get into like, how do you spend your day on Sunday when you're not working, right? What are the, what's your morning routine look like? What are the habits and the day-to-day things that make up when you think about that ideal person that you are, who is that? Describe that to me and get really clear on that. So with those two things, the vision of the person and their identity and the vision of, for their business, that's our starting point. And the process that we go through is working on both of those things simultaneously. So how are you constantly inching and, and getting closer to that person that you want to become? And then same thing with the business. What are the, from the, right, from the way that future you thinks and acts and behaves, what things do you want to be doing now to actually live into that. And so mindset is obviously a huge uh, component of the work that I do. And again, the identity piece, a lot of that is related to mindset and how they think about themselves and how they think about how they position themselves in the marketplace. And so now, we'll talk about, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just ask how much, I mean, I know you're, you're working specifically with Christian entrepreneurs. Is, is faith a big part of the conversation or is that more just how you filter the kinds of customers that you get? So it's definitely part of the conversation. It's actually really funny. It's part of the reason why people come to me, but it's also not the main reason that people come to me to say, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this aspect of my faith and it's really impacting my business. I need you to help me with it. Usually people come to me and say, hey, I'm struggling with this part of my business. And we get into things and we realize there's actually a part of their faith and a part of their their routines and their habits that aren't leading to the result that they want. And so we end up talking about like my, the one real estate client that I have who's been in the business for a while, she was overworking. She was not going to church on Sundays, even though she wanted to. And she felt like in order to grow her business to where she wanted it to be, that she would have to put even more hours in. And so, I mean, by the end of our time working together, we're still working together, but four to five months in, she was working uh, with a cutoff time of five o'clock most days. She was not working on Sundays so that she could go to church. And so we were getting into like her spiritual disciplines. What does her quiet time look like? What does her community life look like when, in terms of getting plugged in with other Christians? And so like we actually coached around these things that you could argue, you know, these are spiritual like life things, but they had drastic impacts on her business. And you could see the difference in the clarity uh, that she had when it came to organizing her day and her week and deciding what what clients she wanted to take on or where she wanted to focus her energy in the business. So the spiritual aspect of things, kind of the, the faith perspective, that always comes in and we certainly filter everything through that lens. But there are even times when we specifically get into, all right, let's design your day off and let's make sure that it's restful and restorative so that when it comes time for the next week, you're working from a place of your cup being full as opposed to feeling like you've got an empty tank. Now, do you think you'll ever have like a future job as like a, a Sunday pastor or anything? I mean, it feels like there's a lot of like educating that has to happen, um, you know, giving people a, a new perspective and maybe how they see God. And I, I even think about, you know, because this, this happens a lot, like people are, our belief structure is built on maybe a, a wrong image of God. Like, so for example, if I, if I grew up without a dad and, you know, the church community is always talking about him being a good father. Right. Well, now I don't really know what that means. And maybe I even have the wrong perspective of what that means. It sounds like you do a lot of um, not just course correcting, but helping people rethink their disciplines, helping people rethink their philosophy on their faith. 
you know, I'm just curious if you'll ever find yourself like getting into specifically, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, a side hustle as a pastor. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I've never. So it's it's such a funny question, and it's something I've I've definitely thought about. And a book that I read recently talked about how, right, God developed. He's developing our root system, right? There's something that He has in mind for us that we have. It's not even on our radar right now. And so, I've considered that perspective of, yeah. There, he may be preparing me for something later on that I'm not even thinking about. I do. If I had to guess, I'd say some sort of uh, pastoral role or, or some sort of role kind of using my skills as a coach. Because I feel like what I'm learning how to do is, like you said, is, is really just helping people shift their perspective, understand how can they actually live their beliefs out in a way that's like really tangible and practical, which I think so many people struggle with, myself included. Like, the way I grew up, I grew up in the Catholic church and my concept of who God was, was uh, follow the rules and like, you're all good. And so it was very much just kind of behavior modification, external, like you need to just follow the letter of the law and that's how you earn God's favor. And it wasn't until I realized that's not actually the case. That's not actually what the Bible <laughs> teaches. That's not anything sure. that Jesus ever did or said Sure. Um, that, right. That changed everything for me. And so, yeah, short answer to your question is, I could see it happening someday. My, I'm not closing the door on that possibility, yeah. but I also, I haven't made a decision that that will definitely be something that happens. We'll see. We'll see what God has in store. Yeah. Well, you know, it almost feels like there's a sort of sweetness when you live life with, you know, fully present on where you are today and what you have in front of you, but also being open to, you know, yeah. whatever it is. And, and sometimes when we say like, there's, there's a lot of fear, I think that comes with that statement of like, I'm open to the future because we don't, it's almost like, well, am I really open? It's like, I, I remember, uh, someone joked like God send me anywhere, but not to Africa or, you know, not to, you know, not out of the United States or, you know, and it's right. like, I'm open, but I'm not open. And so I, I think creating that comfort with, uh, I'm, I really am open to whatever the future holds. I think it does a lot for us. Um, we are unfortunately, Kieran, out of time. What can my listeners do who they're curious, they want to learn more, they want to follow up with you, maybe they just want to connect with you. What are some ways that my listeners can do that? Yeah, for sure. The two best ways to do that would be one, to just follow me out and shoot me a message on Instagram. It's at Kieran Lenahan Coaching. We can uh, sh- add some links to that in the show notes. And then my website is lenahancoaching.com. So if you want to connect, if you want to uh, learn more about what I do or set up time to talk, would be happy to talk to you all. Um, and on that website, you can also grab, a, I've got a free resource helping people kind of kick off 2021 as they think about their business goals and their goals for that person that they're becoming. Um, so that's for free. And you can go ahead. That's right on my, the homepage of my website. If that's interested, interesting at all to you. But Seriously, from the bottom of my heart, I'd love to connect with you all. I love meeting people, building relationships, even if it's just as as friends. Like, let's talk about business, talk about faith, talk about parenthood, and every, anything in between. Um, happy to connect with people. So, would love if people reached out to me and, and said hi. Kieran, it's been great having you on the show today. Thanks for joining. It's been a pleasure, Blake. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me on. Of course. Hey, for the listeners, uh, I'm going to put the link to his Instagram and also his website, linehandcoaching.com, down in the episode description below. Be sure to check that out. Check him out on Instagram. He also has a link to his LinkedIn. You know how much I love LinkedIn on his website. 
and be sure to check out that free resource as well. Hey, if you enjoy this episode or maybe you've been listening for a while, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button so you can keep getting good advice wherever you are. And also, don't forget, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash good advice. If you want to get your business promoted on the show, you can check out more. And hey, if you just want to buy me a cup of coffee while I introduce incredible guests like Kieran, you can do that as well on our Patreon. Again, that's patreon.com slash good advice. Hey, I so appreciate you listening. We'll catch you later. See ya.